day. Uh, if you look in your Bible, we are going to cover this much territory today. So it's only about half of your book. Um, but we are going to be basically going from the end of 1 Kings all the way through to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. Uh, so I need prayer, so let's pray, because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I'm just asking you just to anoint our hearts to receive your word. Anoint our hearts to receive your direction. Let it be that, Lord God, we grab hold of you and that we go forward with you. Help me to do a good job just encapsulating all of this information, Lord, for your people. That, Lord, it might be able to be received and understood and that it might allow for growth in their lives today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. So... So the name of this message, the name of of it today is, Where Are You At? Now, all the English teachers just cringed, because that's terrible English. But I wanted it, it to get to you. Where are you at? What location are you in? Because that is what the, the prophets are all about. When you're talking about going from 1 Kings all the way through to the end of the book, we're dealing primarily with the ministry of the prophets. And um, to kind of be a launch pad for that, we're going to just recap a little bit. Last week we talked about David and how you are a David and that you're anointed for battle. You're anointed to rule and to reign for him in this earth. That is the plan of God. That is what he wanted for the church, that we would become his ambassadors to this world. And... The true statement of that is, is absolutely true. That's a reality, but there's a problem that goes back two weeks ago when I talked about that we're all leaning toward destruction. What that means is that every one of us, our natural disposition as human beings is to blow stuff up. And you don't just need to have that explosive stuff from Jim's store to do it. What's that called? Tannerite. How many know that that stuff is the coolest stuff ever? Anyway, yeah. You don't need Tannerite to blow stuff up. You just need to just let go of the reins for five seconds. Our natural disposition is to go toward our own destruction. Sin leads to more sin. And what, when we start flirting with darkness, we end up living there. Today we're going to talk about Israel and, and the mess that became the nation of Israel. How they, how they went into captivity, how they got there, and how, hear me, how to keep ourselves from that experience. Because how many are trying to get to promised land? Anybody trying to get there other than me? Promised land is where the promises are, folks. It's living in the promise. It's realized expectation. It's all of God's provision to you. All of his promises, all of his anointing, all of his, his ministry in you, alive and working and happening, and you living there. Wouldn't that be awesome? Anybody want to get there other than me? All right. So, so we want to go there, and yet Israel got there. Israel got there, and then they end up screwing it up, so they end up having to be captured, taken into captivity by Syria and, and Babylon because they, they didn't learn to live for God. Now, I'm going to confess and, and tell you today that today's going to be a very pastoral message. Um, today, just so you know, pastors guide and lead, and sometimes... How many know that, that that's not always, that doesn't always make you like shout? I know we got chandeliers, but probably nobody's going to be hanging from them today. The reality is this, though. My job is not to make us feel good. My job is to make us go forward. And so today might, you might at different points in this go, wow, pastor, that was, that was a little direct. But that's our that's my job. 
because we're going somewhere. How many know we're going somewhere, New Life? God's taking us somewhere. We're, we're moving forward. God is, is growing us and building us, and there's a reason, but we've got, hear me, we've got, we've got to go forward together, and we've got to be willing to take direction. I have pastors. I have pastors that call me sometimes and go, David, you need to do this, you need to do that. Okay, pastor, because we all need direction. So we're going to pick it up here where Solomon has just given over the kingdom, basically. Solomon's lust, and by the way, for those of you who don't remember, Solomon was the third king of Israel, the son of David. And Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And and the point two weeks ago was that you can be the wisest man who's ever lived and still fall into sin if you don't follow God's word. So Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, his lust for foreign women, women who were not Jewish, and it led to an unfaithfulness to God that led to Israel's kingdom, the whole kingdom of Israel, all 12 tribes, for it to be divided into a northern kingdom called Israel with 10 tribes and a southern kingdom called Judah with two tribes. Those, those two tribes were Judah and Benjamin. But I want you to hear why. First Kings 11, 9 through 13 says this, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. The split of the kingdom happens immediately after Solomon's death. You can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. But King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, goes and he addresses uh, his, his uh, advisors. And there's, there's two different kinds of advisors, just so you know. Uh, there are the wise kind and the not-so-wise kind. And usually, the wise kind tend to have some gray hair, and the not-so-wise kind tend to have no gray hair. And that's true. When I want advice, I'm usually not asking my daughter, Gabrielle. She's really cute and smart. Mariah, really cute and smart. Not who I'm going to for advice. They have a grand total of 35 years of experience in this world. I have more than that. And Rehoboam, when he takes the throne, he starts seeking counsel from not just the elders who had advised his father, but from his peers. Do not listen to your peers. Just, just in general, unless you are you know, even I don't listen to my peers as much as I listen to my elders. I just don't. There's, there's something about gray hair that works. They've, they've lived it. They've seen it happen. They've seen stuff blow up. They've seen what happens when you go and do what your young peers say to go do. They go, oh, no, don't do that. And so Rehoboam goes up and he's talking to his, his advisors. And they're going, hey, your dad just, just built this huge, massive temple he taxed the people like crazy to build it. Go easy on them. Just, they'll love you if you're just nice to them. Just take a little bit of the, the taxes off of them. You know, he's, they're kind of a, they were more of a Republican um, ticket. <laughs> it's not an election year. I can, I can talk like that. Um, in any case, a little, bit, little less taxes, a little more freedom of money, right? But, but the, that's the elders. The elders are saying that, and all of his peers are going, no, man, no, you know, 
You need to establish your kingdom. You need to be like tough and, and hardcore and, and let them know that there's a new sheriff in town. And, and that's what he does. He, he lets them know that he is going to be hard on them. He literally says to them, he said, my dad, my father's, the weight of my father's taxes, that'd be like my pinky will be more than his thigh. In other words, the weight from my pinky finger that I'm going to put on you is going to be more than the weight of his whole leg on you. And they go, yeah, man, peace out. We're out of here. We don't need you. And so the, the northern kingdom splits. And Jeroboam takes them and becomes their king. I want you to understand this, though. There's a life lesson in here about Solomon. Solomon started off, Solomon started off trying to establish, um, through human means, trying to establish marriages that would secure his borders. So he starts marrying, he marries first the Egyptian pharaoh's daughter to secure the south, because they're very powerful. And then, then he starts marrying other women from other pagan nations, and he secures all of his borders, but he disobeyed God to do it. He, he sins, but he sins for the best reason possible. He sins trying to secure what God had given him. And, and in doing that, he, he just, hear this, he just takes a half step out from the will of God. He just steps away from that perfect will of God. He just steps just outside of the parameters of the Bible and God's word for him in that moment. See, but sin always leads, folks, hear me, to greater sin. So it starts with him marrying foreign women. The next thing is he starts building them temples for them to be able to worship their gods. Instead of making them worshipers of Yahweh, Instead of leading his house to be a worshiper of the one true and living God, he allows for them to maintain their old idolatries. And what happens with that is they start worshiping up in their little temples and their little shrines and they're offering their offerings and, and, and they are worshiping a false god in the house of the king. So he begins with just stepping a little bit out of the will of God to full-fledged allowing idolatry, the worship of other gods in his house. And the final step of it, because sin always leads to greater sin, is that Solomon joins them in their worship. He becomes an idolater. He stops worshiping God alone, and he becomes the worshiper of graven images made by the hands of men. All the while, though, I want you to hear me, and I don't want you to misunderstand something, because a lot of times we, we miss this. We go, oh, we're, we're all or nothing people. Oh, so Solomon stopped worshiping the Lord. No. No, he worshiped the Lord, too. He worshiped the Lord, and he sacrificed to his idols. He was, he was creating this hybrid for his own personal life. He allowed for the, the idols of his wives to become his idols. And yet he still worshipped God too. But it takes away his monogamous relationship with God. You know, when I married Denise, we had an agreement that I would marry her. And that meant I couldn't date any other girls. It's part of the deal. God's the same way. You can't just date God. You marry God. This is a covenant. It's a relationship that is, is established, and it's, it's, it's an agreement that, that I will follow you. And that's not always comfortable. But the result of it is that we get God's blessing. We get God's best. 
this, this man who's the wisest man who ever lived stopped being monogamous with God. But I want you to hear me. This pattern of God's people doing this kind of thing is the pattern of God's people through the ages. This is not just Solomon. This is us. This is me. If I don't watch myself, if I don't watch what I'm doing and watch what I'm watching and watch what I'm thinking, watch how I'm behaving, if I don't watch myself and then when I make a mistake, repent, if I don't keep correcting the course, I am going to step out of the will of God and it is going to cause shipwreck. My brothers and sisters, what are we worshiping? That is not God. Here's a, a three-part diagnostic quest, question set for you. Are you ready? Answer these questions. You'll get a clue of where your worship is. What do you spend your money on? Where do you spend your time? What occupies your thoughts? Because those three things, what you spend your money on, what you spend your time on, and what occupies your thoughts, that is really what you worship. And if it ain't Jesus, the possibilities are endless. It could be the simple things like alcohol or heroin is an epidemic around the country. It can be other drugs. It can be sports. It can be your kids, your husband, your wife, your significant other. It can be porn. It can be sex. It could be your job. It could be career advancement and promotion. It could be the farm. It could be money. It could be your savings account. Or it could be as general as security or fun. All of these things, all of these things, all of these things can become idols that we worship that are not God. When I got saved, okay, I'm, I'm, I was big. My brother Steve's the only one that knew me back then. I was, I was a big old boy. I wore a 48 coat. I had a 30-inch waist. I had 30-inch thighs. I was huge. I squatted over 500 pounds when I weighed a whole lot less than that. Benched almost 400. I was big. For me, my idol was my body. And my temple was the weight room. So when I got saved, guess what? Guess what had to die? In fact, God had to cripple me. He had to break my body so that I could destroy the altar that I was worshiping at so I could get myself right with him. Is this making sense? Sometimes in order for God to become, hear me, in order for God to become your God, he has to break the old God. That's why some of us struggle the way we have, even Christians. Because God is trying, trying to push out the false deities so that he can step into the place in your life that you become one who focuses on him, who worships him and him alone. All the other things can be there. What's really amazing about all of that, when I came to the Lord, I stopped working out for like three years. I just stopped. That part of my life died. It was over. I was never going to do it again. And then I'm preaching in the Philippines one day. And I'm preaching on healing. And God healed like 400 people that night. We had cancers fall off of people. God just moved in power that night. But it took so much out of me. I literally, <laughs> I literally was like wrecked. And I remember my, my good friend, Kathy Hernandez, looking at me going, David, are you okay? And I'm going, I literally, all I could do was go like this. I had the mic in this hand. I go like this. I went, <laughs> I'm like, I'm okay. She's like, get him a chair, get him some water. 
because my body couldn't handle it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to train because you need to be strong to be able to handle what I'm going to give you. So the only reason, hear me, the only reason I picked up working out again was because of what God was putting on me. Folks, we need, we need to make sure. We need to make sure that our career, our job, our money, that those things are not our gods. Because the reality is this. I want you to hear me. This is so important. This is a life lesson. Take this one home with you. Live this forever. Because this is the truth. Satan doesn't care what religion you are. He doesn't even care if you come to church. The only thing that Satan is concerned with is what you worship. He only concerned about what you worship. Because you can be sitting here listening to me right now and be worshiping anything other than Jesus. It doesn't matter that you're here. It doesn't matter that you drop 10 bucks, 20 bucks, your tithe in the offering plate. It doesn't matter what you're going to do after this. What matters only is what you worship. Because that, that is when you worship God and God alone, then he can break in, and he can change your life, and he can change the life of everyone around you. But until you come to the place that you surrender every other thing, and you lay all those idols down before him, and smash them to bits and say, God, you're the only one that matters. You're the only one that I live for. All other things are yours. Until you get to that place, God can't use you the way that he could use you. Because you are a David. God created you to reign. I'm wearing my Avengers t-shirt today that Cindy got me. Cindy, where are you at? There you are. Cindy got me this shirt. She knows I got a thing for superheroes. The reality is this, gang. You are David's. Do you want to know and understand something? You are literally, literally, this is not a joke. This is exactly who you are. You are the church of the living God. The mighty God came and dwells in you. He gave you his spirit. That means that you are empowered by a power that is beyond the comprehension of humanity. And you have literally become recreated, regenerated. You are the superheroes of this world. That is no joke. You can get prayers answered. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can cast out devils. All of that stuff is for you. But I want you to think about this. Are we using our powers? Are we using what God gave us? What would we think of a Captain America or of an Iron Man if they had all these powers and they sat at home The world's blowing up. There's crazy aliens with huge fangs coming out of the sky, and they're going to kill everybody. You know, I need a day off today. Captain America's shining his shield, so it looks real nice, but it does nothing. There's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with being empowered. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us. Because the reality is this. In, in the story of Israel, the Israel, Israeli people, the Hebrew people, still had their form of religion. <laughs> they still are going to church. They're still making sacrifices. But the reality of their heart was not the reality they were showing out to the world. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter... 1, verses 10 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. This is, by the way, not Sodom and Gomorrah. That was destroyed back in Genesis. This is a figure. He's figuratively speaking to his people. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? 
says the Lord. I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. God, didn't you tell us that you wanted all that stuff? And yet he says he has no pleasure in it. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Just for the record, I don't think this is a worthless assembly. I've been in some. I've been in some. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. My God, let it never be that we're that way. But see, hear me. It happens. It happens because. And guys, you got to get this. We can go through all the motions. We can sing the cute songs, and Amy, thank you so much for just an anointing this morning in worship. But more than just the platform needs to be anointed. We can sing all the songs, and we can clap our hands, and we can jump a little bit, and some of you could dance or whatever, but this is the thing. Where is your worship? Because that's what matters to God. God was sick of the form. He was sick of just going to church. He wanted the reality of a relationship with his people. The result of it is that it produces two nations. Israel, the northern kingdom, from the very beginning, they're idolaters. They're, they're wrapped up in making golden calves and, and setting them up in two different places to pull the worship away from Jerusalem. It leads to the worship of Baal, and that's where we get that's where we get Jezebel. That's where we get King Ahab, her husband. Those stories. That's where we get two of the greatest prophets in the history of, of Israel with, with Elijah. I love the stories of Elijah, like, you know, the, the fire from heaven that consumes the sacrifice. Why did God have to show out that way, though, guys? you got to realize that God showed out that way because he needed his people to be able to see that there really is only one true and living God. But it didn't work. They repented for like five minutes. But then they went back to their stuff. And it ends up, hear this, the northern kingdom ends up going into captivity into Syria. And the Syrians take them and they're barbaric. The Babylonians are bad that come later for the southern kingdom. But the Syrians were vile. And those that they didn't wipe out, they took. And literally the northern ten kingdoms, folks, are never heard from again in the Bible. They're just gone. They, seemingly, they assimilate into Syria. Judah's a little bit better. The southern kingdom is faithful for a while. Their, their kings are sons of David. They begin in, in, in following the Lord, but they end up following Israel's pattern. And, and, and Isaiah comes. The, the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah, those men come to the southern kingdom of Judah. And Isaiah is first, he's warning the people to return to the Lord. When I read earlier about Sodom and Gomorrah and your hands are full of blood and your offerings are detestable to me, that was Isaiah chapter 1. Everyone thinks, you know, Isaiah's all about Jesus. He's about what's coming, which was judgment on Judah. And that there would be a redeemer, yes. That there was a Messiah that was coming, yes. And there's all these messianic prophecies from Isaiah that are about Jesus. But before that, he's warning the people. Get your heart back. Get focused again. Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? 
And then Jeremiah basically says, there's no more time. Babylon's coming. They're going to take all your junk. They're going to take your babies. And they're going to be raised as slaves because you were unfaithful. And what's amazing, I want to just say this isn't even in my notes, but I want to say this. For anybody here that's resisting this message, I implore you to take it seriously. Because you know what's interesting about the people of Jeremiah's day? They're like, we're the people of God. We're the chosen ones of Israel. It's all good. We're fine. But if, this, if, if, you, if you realize that where you're spending your money and your time and what's occupying your mind is not God and his stuff, take note. Because the reality is this, God, I'm not saying that God's judging us. I'm not saying that, that there's judgment coming. There may be. I read crazy stuff this week. I read that, that um, North Korea now can launch a missile to the center of the United States and could launch a, a nuclear warhead that would create an electric pulse if it just detonates 200 miles above the surface of the earth that would wipe out our power grid in the United States irreparably. That within six months, 90% of the population in the United States would be dead. That can happen right now. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying bad stuff's coming. It could. The only thing that, that is gonna save us, though, is who we're worshiping. If you're worshiping your bank account, if you're hoarding your money because you're saving it for just a rainy day, because you don't know what's coming down the pike, guess what? That goes off. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. Millions, billions, quadrillions, I, I, make up a number. It's evaporated, gone. What is your security? Because your security can only come through Christ. I've got a lot more to say. I'm not going to say it. I will say this. The big idea of the prophets is that you can choose, you can choose, you can choose to live by God's word and follow his ideas and live a great and blessed life, or you can choose death. That's the whole, if you want to know what the prophets is about, that's it. It'll show up a million different ways. It shows up as injustice. It shows up as neglecting the poor and neglecting the widow and neglecting the orphan and neglecting all those people. It shows up that way. But this is the thing. It all comes down to this. What are you worshiping? Because if you worship God... My sister's made in his image, and I cannot violate her because she reminds me of him. And I can't neglect the orphan or the widow because they look like Jesus. But if I'm worshiping anything other than him, then everybody else just becomes a thing. And that's why we have people who are taking advantage of others and not caring for other people and doing stupid stuff because they started worshiping something other than Jesus. We have got to find out where our heart is centered. I know. I know this is not a happy message. I know that some of you are going to walk away irritated with me. That's okay. I'm a big boy. I'm here to pastor you. I'm here to take care of you. Because you will wish that you had listened if you find out that I'm right. And that there's stuff in your life that's taken you away from God. Because it may not show up in your life. You may be like Solomon. You may be like him where the blessing is on you. But maybe your kids. Suffer because of the idols you allowed to be built in your house. 
We have got to become the church. And in order for that to even be a possibility, we have got to become worshipers of him and him alone. The good news is, and the band can come, I'm, I'm wrapping up. The good news is, guys, the good news is God is faithful. I talked about Isaiah. One of the great proofs that scripture is, is real, is true, is that Isaiah is a book that we can literally trace all the way back to its writing about 700 B.C., in the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, God says this incredible thing. Babylon is coming. Babylon hasn't come yet. <laughs> Understand this. When this is written, Babylon hasn't come and taken Judah into captivity. There's no king who's captured them. But listen to what the Lord said through Isaiah. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and I will level the mountains and I will break down the gates of bronze and I will cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the hidden treasures, riches stored in the secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summoned you by name. Listen to why. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you the title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. Do you know who Cyrus was? Cyrus became the king of Persia. Babylon is who came and took Judah away took them into captivity, made them slaves. That's where your books of Daniel come from, your book of Ezekiel comes from. All of that stuff, that's, that's taken when they were taken into captivity, into Babylon. But what's amazing is Babylon comes under judgment because of what they've done to, to God's people. And Persia comes and takes them over. And the king of Persia, his name was Cyrus. 400 years before Cyrus was born, God called him by name. Why? It said, for this one reason, for the sake of my children, Israel. I want you to hear this one thing. No matter where you are, you may be in a bad place. You may be busted up. You may have God's correction going on in your life because there's idols in your life. I want you to hear me very clearly. God loves you. He adores you. Through it all, he's, he's wanting to reach you and, and pull you out. I'm going to read one more scripture because this is too important. Ezekiel chapter 18, 30 through 32 say this. Therefore, I will judge each of you. This is the NLT, New Living Translation. O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the living God, repent and turn from your sins. Hear this. This is the Lord. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. God has taken me through wildernesses where idols had to die. Thankfully, I turned back to him. Whatever you're going through, wherever you are right now, I want you to hear me very closely. Hear, hear this very carefully. God is for you, not against you. But when you allow for worship of things that are not him, it will always lead to death. And he is trying to save you from yourself. What has God given you? Are you being faithful with it?
What gifts, what talents, what, what finances, what abilities has God given you? Are you being faithful doing what you should with it? And lastly, are you following him? Gang, this is heavy. (laughs) If you think I like preaching this way, I don't. I like it when everybody's happy and smiling and feeling good and running running laps around the church, dancing the aisles. That's, That's when I have fun. But the way that we get there is by going through here. I love you. He loves you way more. If there's anybody here today, this message has spoken to you and you know that there's idols in your heart, cast them down. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Let those things die and leave you today. Let them die. And when they try to raise back up, cast them back down and get focused on Jesus again because he's trying to bring us somewhere individually so that we can go somewhere corporately and if this didn't touch home at all for you then you need to be the one who's praising God the most today but I expect that might be one or two of you Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you're my shepherd. That because you're my shepherd, I shall not want. It doesn't always mean that I'm happy where I am. You you not only cause me to lay down in green pastures and beside still waters, but you also lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. But Lord, in all of it, you keep me. I pray right now for your keeping over your people. I pray that, Lord God, that we would take the idols of our lives and that we would smash them and that we would repent and that we would ask you to forgive us and that we would be made new and our hearts would be revived and refreshed and renewed and that we would come to follow you fully again. Bless your people. Use us for your glory. Let us become good stewards of all you've given us, no matter what it is. Use us, Lord, and let us use these gifts to bring others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If anybody wants to pray, come on. But what I think I'd like is for you just to make a recommitment to him. During this song, I don't, you don't need to parade up here if you don't feel like you need to, but commit to him. Because he, he's our God. Nothing else deserves our worship. Your desire
living this life just for shackles, you're depressed, there's something going on in your life, if you'll acknowledge it this morning, God's going, this is your day, don't wait till tomorrow, this is your day, I really, I thought maybe it'd go away, but it didn't, come, come and let us pray for you, if you're struggling this morning, can I tell you this, that starts with making him king, you're bound by anything that means he's not Lord of all so if anybody needs freedom come on come on whatever it is God will set you free I pray for drunk folks that sobered up with the minute I said amen the Lord will set you free from whatever but he's got to be Lord he's got to be Lord anybody that word's for you. Come on up here. Okay. Anybody else? Come on. Elders, get up. In the name of Jesus. Receive this congregation. Receive this right now. Receive this from the Lord right now. Receive this from the Lord right now. I declare your freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. I set you free to be who God made you to be. I declare that every adversary will bow the knee to the name of Jesus that is upon your life. I declare in the name of Jesus that nothing shall be able to hold you back. In Jesus' name, I declare your freedom. Lord, let your people step in line with you so that that becomes their reality and that word is loosed in their life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's pray, folks. This is a unique moment. Don't leave me yet. Don't leave me yet. Pray, pray, pray for somebody near you. Pray that we get a breakthrough right now. There's an opportunity right now for us to step into what God wants for us. To lay down idols and to lay down things that stand in the way. And to break into freedom. God wants that for all of us. Pray for somebody right now. Pray for them. In Jesus' name. While this song is being played, pray for somebody. In Jesus' name, right now. You have given us.
so much more than we deserve. And you deliver us by the power of your word. God, we lift you up, giving you the honor that is yours. Thank you for your love, Father, this is love. of Jesus Christ, go and change your world. Let it never be the same because you're here. God bless you. I love you. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. If you want to stay and pray, come on. God's moving and healing people right now. God bless you today.